You are listening to the Captain's Coach Podcast, where we provide top insights into sports leadership to inspire team captains to lead their teams more effectively and help coaches to systematically develop and use them. Now, here's your co-host, Luke Poulos. Welcome to the Captain's Coach Podcast. Today, my guest is Simon Smith, a longtime referee in the sport of rugby. He's originally from Great Britain, where he played rugby through his college days and has been refereeing since 1994, and specifically in the Northern Virginia area for the last 10 years. Rugby is a sport with a very unique captain-referee relationship that is more of building a coalition and dialogue than an us-versus-them mentality that you may see in other sports. With that being said, I believe there's more than a handful of specific actions that captains in any sport can take away from this conversation. We focus mainly on the interpersonal dynamics and self-expression that go from the initial greeting of referee teams all the way to how late game decisions can be influenced by your relationship throughout the game. I learned a lot from this conversation and thoroughly enjoyed it. So I hope you do as well on another episode of the Captain's Coach Podcast. Hey, Simon, thanks for coming on the Captain's Coach Podcast. It's great to have you. Thanks for the invitation. Glad to be here. Of course. And, you know, we were talking a little bit just a second ago about how great it is to have this this referee perspective on the show. We've been focusing mostly with coaches and athletes, former captains, and kind of thought leaders in the, in the leadership and sports world. So I can't wait to, to get your perspective on everything. Obviously, very rugby slanted. But if you could just start by giving the listeners kind of a, a brief background of where you come from, and, uh, how long you've been around uh, sports in general, but specifically refereeing in rugby. Sure. Um, so obviously, I'm not from around here. Uh, I grew up in Britain. Um, and like most kids with my background, I was a three-sport athlete, so rugby, uh, field hockey, both of which I played to representative level, and then uh, cricket in the summers. But rugby's been my been my main sport. Um, I played all the way through university. Had to give up through injury, um, head head injuries, and took up refereeing in 1994, um, which is a long time ago. Uh, and I've stuck at it since. I, I was lucky enough to have a fairly decent refereeing career uh, with the RFU in England before I emigrated. Um, came over to the States in 2002, uh, joined my local society, the Referee Society of Virginia, and uh, been refereeing in the area where I've, I've been sent um, since then. So that's my sporting history in a nutshell. Um, I played a bunch of different sports. Rugby's the only one that I've ever done any uh, officiating in, and it's the only one that I coach as well. Great, yeah, pr- quite a uh, extensive background when it comes to to refereeing. A long history there, and again, you know, we were talking before the unique relationship that captains specifically have with referees in the sport of rugby, as compared to you know lacrosse in my background, basketball, mm-hmm. football, soccer. Uh, if you could just give 
kind of a, a, a window into that world and kind of your approach and philosophy to refereeing in rugby and, and how you kind of see refereeing in general? Yeah, so I think there's there's probably two slightly different questions there, Luke, which is what's unique to the captain referee dynamic in rugby and then how, how, how do I view refereeing? I think one of the things I should probably preface my comments with is these are just the views of a guy that's been involved in rugby for for a number of years and they're not the official viewpoint of the RSV or USA Rugby or anybody. Um, I think so. the other thing I would add is my professional background is human resources um, and the longer I've stayed in both HR and, and rugby, the more I see overlaps in my professional life and, and my rugby life. The thing that I, I think is probably unique to the captain referee dynamic in rugby is it directly affects I think the way the game can be played um, the tenor of the game the dynamics between the the participants and I think if you're a really smart captain um, it can affect points on the board but by, by which I mean um, an awful lot of rugby is, is one in the incremental decisions, the, the, the really small margins. And I, I think there would be an argument, for example, if, if a captain has a really good relationship with a referee, can he delay potentially one of his players taking 10 minutes in the sin bin or stop that happening at all? If you can, that is likely points in the bank for you. Is points you're not going to concede. And I think that's something that a, a lot of teams in my experience tend to overlook. They think there's just uh, a, a transactional relationship that happens between the two. And I think the smarter teams tend to realize if you can build a positive dynamic, you're essentially putting relationship chips in the bank that you, you can withdraw or you can try to withdraw um, if, you, if you've got the right kind of relationship going on with the, with the referee. And that's probably something we can expand upon a little bit later. My philosophy on refereeing is, well, it's a little bit of a loaded question. Um, I think if you take these stuff off the table, every, every referee wants to be a safe referee. I, th I think no matter the level of game, whether you're handling under 16 youth rugby or division one men's rugby. I, I, I like to think I go out and I give every game the same kind of professionalism and respect that the players want. I'm, I'm conscious, this was a lesson it took me a couple of years to learn. Um, no matter the level, the players are taking the game seriously. They're giving it their best shot and they deserve that back. Um, I think for me, and if you're not doing that, you're underserving, you're underserving yourself and you're underserving the players. Um, in, the, in the match itself, um, I'm trying to build a fairly positive relationship with, with both captains and the teams. Um, and there's really, uh, I don't know if you've seen a rugby law book, Luke, but it, it, it's, it's a not small volume and you need to be able to read like a lawyer uh, to be able to, to get through everything. But I think I've, in my head, I've boiled it down pretty much to safety, um, fair competition, time and space. And if, if through my refereeing, I can create those opportunities for the players to play a good game, 
than I think I've probably done um, as good a job as as I think I can. Um, I want to be consistent uh, as a coach, um, turning the the external lens on myself. To a degree, I don't really mind if a referee is getting a particular call wrong because my players can adjust to that. But he's got to, he or she's got to be consistent throughout the game in the way they call that one thing. And I, I work very hard at being consistent because I think what the players don't want is having to guess which way the dice is going to roll in any kind of particular situation. They need a fairly fairly solid understanding of what is going to be penalised and what isn't going to be penalised and what the rationale is um, behind that. So that's pretty much my philosophy behind refereeing. No, that's, that's pretty fantastic to kind of get a, a bird's eye view perspective from, from a referee on the referee side. And again, a, a very unique experience interacting with players in a sport where you have kind of a, a very different dynamic with a referee and it's more of a building of relationship and a coalition more so than an us versus them mentality, something we kind of talked about before. Yeah, that's right. I don't think there are many referees who, who, who go out on the field with a real sort of bunker mentality um, and just, just assume that it's going to be attritional warfare. I mean, if, if we're for, for many levels, and I think for many of the, the people that are going to be listening to the podcast outside the elite level, you know, we're not doing this for money. I mean, we, right. get, we, we, we may get a small match fee, right? We, we may get mileage. 98% of the referees are doing this because they love the game and they either want to stay involved with the game or they want to give something back. And one of the best ways they can do that is by trying to help everybody else on the field enjoy, enjoy the game as well. Nobody, you know, and I, I don't think anybody goes out and enjoys 80 or 90 minutes of siege warfare right right exactly and you know you kind of started it off by saying how ref or how captains can kind of massage that relationship put some put some chips in the bank so to speak what are some things specifically maybe three or four that you've seen experienced or or would like to see captains do specifically that could kind of be a chip in the bank for them uh, to help win a referee over well i think these are all so there, there's a uh, a single silver bullet thing to this it's the same with any kind of relationship right you're you're putting lots of little chips in the bank and hoping that one plus one plus one plus one all of a sudden adds up to an awful lot um i, I think that, that I, I i tend to call it the charm offensive like little things when the referee turns up, what kind of a, the field? What kind of a greeting does he get? Because there's a big difference between a nice welcome, they're making sure you're settled, you know, where the restrooms are, you know, just starting a relationship, um, throw, throwing some, if you like, throwing some seeds on the ground. Mm -hmm. So the referee now feels welcomed and you're positively inclined. The whole, the whole dynamic starts to shift. Um, and I think um, one of the things I would be thinking about is, is 
actually being a good captain. And I, I know this, which I think is probably the heart of a lot of the podcasts that you do, but there, there's a lot that goes into that, which is, as a referee, I tend to need the captain to manage the players. I've got, I've got 30 players on a field, 15 on each team. I can't spend my time trying to manage the 15 players. If I've got a problem with the team, I need to know that when I talk to you, the captain, you're going to be able to go back and relay my message to your team and that they're going to listen to you and they're going to act upon the instructions. So to give you an example, I may call a captain over and say, we are seeing too many types of this particular kind of offence. And if it continues, I may have to put somebody in the sin bin. A good captain understands that I've just given him a warning. I'm trying to head them off at the pass. And he's explicit with his team about what has to stop happening, what has to start happening, and the team listens to him. A bad captain goes back and goes, he's barking at us about the tackle and, and leaves it at that. And the team doesn't ameliorate the behavior. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, three minutes later, somebody's going off the field for a 10-minute rest. A captain who is clearly in control of his team and understands the game is an absolute godsend because now I'm thinking I've got somebody here I can work with. I don't need to over explain. We can actually work. Working as peers is not the right kind of dynamic, but I don't need to have a parent child dynamic. We, we, we can all, we can be getting close to equals on this and, and talk about things. Um, I, I think Captains are prepared to try and work with you. Um, as, you know, as I said earlier, we're, we're, we're out there to try and achieve a good game. Um, captains understand what I'm trying to do as a referee um, and are prepared to help me with that. I've never forgotten there, there was a captain at one college team who I blew the penalty for a whistle. And before I could say anything, the captain said, I know I've got it. It was number seven. He's not going to do it again. Leave it with me. And I had a slight, whoa, the schmooze offensive has really begun. <laughs> but on the other hand, he, he knows where my pressure points are now, and he's trying to walk me off them. This is going to be, a, this is going to be an interesting kind of experience. I think um, constructive communication, because we, we've got to be honest, I don't, as much as I would like to say I do, I don't get 100% of my decisions right. And I don't catch 100% of what's going on. It's simply not, not possible. And people who are constructive in their communication help me a lot. There's a, there's a, a difference between a, a, a captain who can ask you, sir, I think we have a problem on this side of the scrum. If I could just ask you to take a look at it, we'd really appreciate it. Versus their number three is cheating and you're missing it a lot. Just on a, I mean, I, I know you're not a, a rugby player, Luke, but as I present those two alternatives to you, if somebody came and gave you those two, you know, you're going to have very different reactions to the two different right. approaches, aren't you? You're going to be more inclined to listen sympathetically to one pitch as opposed to the stop yelling at me, I'm not doing what you tell me to do. Mm-hmm. And you, you actually get a counterproductive reaction. Um, so, you know, this is just a little bit, this, this is stuff that applies in any kind of dynamic, I think, be it rugby, be it human relationships at work. Talking to people constructively is likelier to get a better outcome 
than barking at them. And I, I think one of the one of the things that I think may perhaps be unique to rugby and, and possibly even to me as a referee is I like captains who understand the law. It, 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 it's a finicky game, but I, I like captains who if I explain a, a, a penalty decision or why something happened, they understand what it was and they don't need me to explain it to them several times mm -hmm. using five different um, kinds of words. And I, I think, let me give you a, a, a trivial example, but something that just makes life that little bit easier. So in rugby, um, if I give what's called a penalty, which is a long arm penalty, you can kick it out anywhere on the field and you can take the gain in ground that you get and you get the throw at the line out. If I give you a short arm penalty, which is called a free kick, out more than 22 yards from your goal line and you kick it straight out, you lose the gain in ground and you lose the throw. Captains understand that and don't need me to tell them that are a godsend because if we if we go back to the dynamics that I alluded to slightly earlier, if I have to hint at them or tell them, hey, if you kick it straight out, this is what's going to happen. The nature of our relationships, and I've got much more transactionally parent-child than getting close to that peer equivalence, which is one of mutual respect. And I I try to work really hard and not have to get to that sort of parent-child state um, and, and, and try and assume that you know what you're doing, you assume I know what I'm doing, and if we set off from there with best intention, we should get to a good place, right? It's not for me to micromanage your decisions on the field. And that sets up a really, a really hinky dynamic, I think. No, that's great. <clears throat> All of those are, are, are really great, just insights into how a referee kind of sees things. And, and I'm going to try to parse this out a little bit for yeah, sure. athletes in other sports. So my background in lacrosse, it's a, it's a very, very fast paced game. Players are on and off the field constantly. When whistles are blown and there's a call made, the startup whistle, it comes within seconds after that, that initial call. So for, for captains out there in a sport like lacrosse or, or even basketball, you might have a little bit more time football you have kind of in between plays and possessions. If you're a captain, like you said, it all starts with that, that first greeting. And I think in, in other sports, you know, it, I like the idea of maybe taking two, three minutes to go up to a referee. As soon as you see him coming on the field during warmups, just going over, introducing yourself, having a very cordial interaction with them there. Um, and, you know, in, in a lot of sports, you do a lot of scouting reports, right? And you kind yeah. of see what other teams do. And there will be a lot of times that coaches point out in film sessions, hey, you know, they got this one, this one player who does X, Y, and Z. Their strategy for this is X, Y, and Z. And sometimes teams kind of toe the line or can be overly aggressive or kind of push the edge, push the envelope a little bit when it comes to what might be allowable. So if you can start yep. the conversation with them two, three minutes during warmups, and then you have the, the coin toss and the captain's actual formal meeting before the, the game or the mm -hmm. match starts, 
you, you might be able to put a bug in their ear there or, you know, during a timeout, instead of going right over to your huddle, maybe go out to the referees and say, hey, gentlemen, I, I just wanted to point out, you know, we, we've, we've seen this in the film and, and I'm kind of seeing it here in this game so far. If you could just watch how they're doing this one specific thing or on this side of the ball or in these situations, could you just keep an eye on X, Y, and Z? Like you yeah. I, I think that's right, Lou, but I, I, I think to go back to the point, I, it, it's it's almost less about what you're saying, right, and more about how you're actually and how you're actually saying it, and and also do, have you built the relationship to the point that you think you can actually have that kind of dialogue with, with the match official, right? Exactly. If you've been if you've been screaming at him for the last twenty minutes that he's missing this and he's too slow and he's not keeping up. I, I, I bet, you know. Yeah, the ship kind of sailed on anything. Yeah, you, you, you got no chips that you can, that you can withdraw in the barrel. You, yeah, you might as well just shut, you know, you might as well just shut up and get on exactly. with it. Exactly, and, and sometimes I think in other sports, there's much more of a head coach referee relationship and it is that us versus them mentality. And it depends on the sport. There might be certain uh, kind of, norms for how players interact with referees but I know in lacrosse and if you watch a college lacrosse game you can see the coaches really get on referees and yeah it's not a hit on coaches they got a lot going on they got to manage their team uh, and and also kind of try to get some influence on the referees but if you're a player you can kind of have that that easier mellow conversations with them if you can and maybe take some of the pressure off your coach and having to deal with that. Um, I think so. I mean, I think there's a, you, you know, my, my, my really nice, you know, rainbows and unicorns view of the world is it'd be really nice if we all got along. That's not the way the world works. If you're profoundly cynical and practical about it, it costs you nothing to try and be nice to the match official. Right, right. And you can gain an awful lot. I, I mean, I, I don't know lacrosse real well, but in rugby, there's an awful lot of, I wouldn't call them 50-50, let's call them marginal decisions that are literally half a second one way or another could see a decision go in, in a different direction. And every referee would sit down and look you in the eye and say, I'm not swayed by, I'm not swayed by the sideline, I'm not swayed by the coaches, I am, um, I'm objective and I call it as I see it. And I would bet 99% of the time we are. Subconsciously, I, I don't know, you know, every, everybody has subconscious biases. There's a bunch of research I'm sure you, you've gone through about how home teams can find ways of getting decisional advantages over away teams. It's just human nature that, you know, I think for, for, for some referees, your biases will come out. In, in ways that you may not be aware of. I don't understand why teams just don't do their best to put themselves on the right side of that equation. Just coldly, cynically. Even if you don't like the referee, fake it. Right, just, exactly. just, just be nice. Right. Do two marginal decisions that go your way instead of their way. I don't know, in rugby, that, that's anything from, that's three to seven points. Right, right, exactly. And like you said, it, it costs you nothing at the beginning of the game or a match or yeah. right after a timeout to just, you know, be a nice person 
And, and I think this comes back to, you know, one of the tenets of leadership we have at the captain's coach is self-expression is the essence of leadership. It's, it's how you communicate. And I think sometimes we look very internally on that in how leaders express themselves to their teammates, to their coaches, to the immediate surroundings. But this is, this is a great opportunity to kind of see and parse out how your self-expression and how you express yourself to referees and to the broader kind of field of play, how that can have an effect on decisions in the game. And then, you know, we talked about some things. There's an absolute water, waterfall effect. Um, I, I think my general observation is there are two people who can dictate how well the teams behave on the field. The one is the, one is the head coach. In rugby, if I, 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 will, I will put my mortgage on this. If the head coach is screaming at the, the referee the whole game, the team is likely to not work well with the referee. Right, exactly. If the head coach is screaming, but the captain is inserting positive influence through his leadership style, and it is role modeling positive leadership and positive attitude, that dynamic can be rescued. Because I, I think there's a sort of uh, a proximity effect right. that a captain can, can have on his team. And if the team can see the captain just like, it's okay, I've got this. We got to do what we are, we got to do our thing and stay focused. Then, you, again, to go back to the, you know, the module 50 50s you're likely going to get a slightly better better chance with that because the team will likely mimic what they see role modeled in front of them. Right, exactly. Um, and, you know, we've talked a lot about what captains can do to kind of win over a referee and build that relationship. What are a, a couple things specifically that you dislike the most that captains or teams or even coaches do that will turn you off and kind of burn that bridge and uh, sail that ship, so to speak. I think and kind of turn turn the tide away from them or kind of turn your ears off. Yeah, I mean, it would, it would be flippant to say the opposite of everything that we just discussed. And I, I think you know we, we touched a little bit on coaches screaming from the sideline. I, I try very hard. Not always, but I try very hard to not let those things affect how I referee. Um, I, I think things are likely to perhaps play at the back of my mind a little bit. Coaches, players, and captains screaming at me. Um, but to a degree, as I say, you know, I've been doing this uh, 25 years, 26 years, a long time. I, I can tend to handle most of it. One of the things that worries me as a referee, which might be a slightly different type of your question, is the captains who are getting really hyper and really emotional. The ones who are absolute chest beaters and yellers and believe that leadership is getting everybody's heart rate up and pumped. Um, when I see a captain like that, I really start to worry because I think his self-control may not be where it needs to be. And if we get into the last 20 minutes and we are tied up and there's something hanging on this game, his decision-making and his actions may be off. 
and I start when I see that I actually start looking for the who's the other sensible player on the team that I can talk to mm -hmm. and start to build a secondary relationship with mm -hmm. because I, I, I you know there is an element of I may need a fallback here right because this right, right. this guy may be so pumped up I can't work effectively with him who's who's the guy that looks most likely to not uh, to not be like that as I said you, you know you work hard to not let these things negatively influence you but that the, the manic captains actually worry me for the negative impact they can actually have on the rest of the team and on the rest of the game no that makes perfect sense and, and yeah it's not exactly just the opposite of of kind of everything we said to do well but i think that's a is a a great tip for captains is just and it's kind of just the essence of leadership in general i know we talk about yeah the calm cool collected individual of the team and if your team is hyper amped up if you have the ability to calm them down or at least be the calm one it it, it is a beacon on top of your head to a referee to say okay i can work with this person and like you said if it's if it's not that case, you're looking for another outlet. And in other sports, I can tell you a hundred percent. If the captain's not doing that and the, the coach isn't doing that, the referee's not even looking for another person that they can work with. You know, even if they're looking for someone to work with to begin with, you know, you could be just being a nice guy and trying to win some points over and it's 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 not gonna get you anything anyways. But yeah, it, you're, really, you're really just throwing it away if you're not even trying at that point. And, well, to, and, step, to step outside the referee dynamic thing, just for a second, look, I think the, the other thing, it, 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 the other way it plays out in rugby, that I, I don't know that it does necessarily in other, in other sports, is the captain may have to make important strategic or tactical decisions. So if I give him a pe if I award a penalty, for example, there are a number of things a rugby captain can do for that. Does he kick for a goal and get three points? Does he kick the ball out and try and get territory and a throw into a lineout? Does he select a scrum so that he can have a testosterone field shoving match, or does he tap the ball and run hard at the opposite? You know, there there are a number of options, right? Captains that are hyper and overly emotional leaders do not always make smart tactical decisions, which can end up being a negative spiral because it puts their team even more under pressure because he's making, he's making bad decisions. Right, right. I mean, there's, there's a, the, the number of times I sort of quietly say to myself, I don't know why you just did that. <laughs> just take the points. Take the points, right. keep the scoreboard ticking over. Take the points and come back again. You're about to get the ball. And they're, they're so wrapped up in themselves. They, ca they can't play all these scenario forward and do what is actually best for the team. And that sort of, as I said, creates an emotional downward spiral because they've made a bad decision. Something bad happens. The opposition get the ball. He gets even more upset and the team follow that, you, you know. They're negative spirals, and because they're not able to externalize themselves from the situation and mm -hmm. nip that behavior in the bud or try and, and find some kind of rescue strategy, 
it, it ends up being quite kind of lose-lose. Right, right. I mean, yeah. one, of, one of the things we try to, so I, as I said, I coach. You know, one of the things we try to do is actually think about, well, do we have different kind of captains? Like, who's the, who's the spiritual leader of the team, right? Who's the one that we're going to ask to make all the tactical decisions? Do these two necessarily have to be the same person? Who's the one that works with the referee? I'm, I'm, I'm probably giving away a slight trick here. We occasionally just set up some guy to be the guy that talks to the referee. Yes, sir, this is a captain. Doesn't make any on-field decisions. Isn't really leading the team. But if the referee is going to come lecture us or talk to us, we send up this guy who, I, I don't know, he, he's like human endorphins. Right. You know, people just love being around him and like him. And it, it, it just brings everybody's temper down a little bit when he's dealing with the referee. No, that makes perfect sense. And I think that's something we've talked about on the podcast before is definitely you have different leaders on your team that fill different leadership roles, right? It's kind of like a, a ancient civilization where you have a, a wartime leader and, and a peacetime leader. Those are two different personalities, right? And, and if you're somebody that, you know, or, or even another player on your team or, or a coach, if you're looking and, and you identify somebody who has that persona, it could behoove you to kind of just, hey, you know, whether that be the captain that was voted or, or even, a, you know, a formal captain on your team, it could be, you know, just another senior that, that has a lot of time yeah. on the field and has that personality and, and understands the game. Like you said, knowing, knowing the rules and, and understanding referees' decisions. If you have somebody like that, you know, it might be good to pull them aside one day in practice or as the season's getting revved up. It's just – Hey, you know, try, try doing this every game from now on, you know, build a relationship with the referees at the beginning, even though you're not a captain. And I think that could go miles and miles down the road. And you kind of see that build up because especially in college sports, at least for lacrosse, I can't speak to, to other sports, but I would assume it's the same inside of your conference. You have the same cr small crew of referees that for, for all of your games. Yeah, for a lot of, for the majority of referees in my area, for example, we tend to see the same teams. Right. And we tend to see the same, same coaches. And, you know, there, there are people that I started refereeing in 2002 in colleges. Um, I'm refereeing them now as adults, you know. And people that I saw in 2002 as players who are, who are now coaches. Right. The, 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 the dynamic doesn't just stop when, when the whistle goes. You say, you know, there's a little circuit and people get to know everybody else on the, on the circuit. But I, I think the point you made was, was a, a, a really smart one. You can have different people performing different leadership or captaincy roles. And I, I think it's a smart coach that appreciates his talent base and who can bring what to it, you know, in, in a rugby sense, for example, to move away from the, from the, from the referee, you could have a player who has got great field appreciation and understands at a sort of strategic level, this is what we should be trying to do. 
we should be trying to attack that corner and then moving wide with pace. But he then delegates the actual specific play calling and play handling to a different player who's perhaps in a position that's got more time and who he can trust to engineer all those moves and plays to get you from point A to point B on the field. Right. And it's okay to have different leadership tasks given to different people. You, you're very lucky as a coach, I think, and as a referee to get the complete bundle of somebody that can be great with match officials, be a respected leader by the team, understand the strategy of the game and the tactical execution and focus on his own game. Right. Letting his own standard. That's a lot to ask of one, of one individual. And they are very, very rare. Right. And especially at the, the high school and, and college level where you're dealing with, you know, still, still kids and they're doing pure leadership, which just, there's nothing harder in the game yeah. of leadership than pure leadership. And, and, yeah, as a coach, it's you kind of have to to manage that as best you can. Oh, I I think over the last, I know, let me be entirely fair. I think over the last ten years, I can count two captains <coughs> at the college level who have been able to do all that. Right. Only, and that's only two. And I, I've done a lot of college matches. Yeah, and that's and you know that just speaks to that that role and the complexity of it in and of itself. Um, you know, moving moving yeah. forward here, I you sure. know kind of you've kind of described and kind of laid out that the the demeanor of captains can definitely influence your decisions in the game. Have have you ever made a decision in a game to get back at a particular team or a player because of something they did? You know, nope. the, the infamous makeup call or, you know, on the flip side, give a team a call back uh, sometime oh. down the line. That was a 50-50, but you're already kind of leaning towards giving them the next 50-50 or taking nope. it away from them. Nope. I think, can I say every referee can say the same thing? Probably not. Um I was taught very, very early in my refereeing career. And I was very lucky when I started refereeing in England. Um, I had some fantastic mentors. And one of the things they, they sort of encouraged and taught was the ability to make a decision and forget about it. Right, it's just like being an athlete. It's, the, it's, the, it's constantly the next play. So you make yeah. a mistake, I mean, it, you do something good, next play. It's done. You can't, you, you know, right or wrong, you can't undo it. It's done. Right. You remember why you gave the decision? Because in, in, in rugby, you need to keep a, you need to keep a track record of all the decisions to see if the penalty count is perhaps starting to get excessive in, in one area or another. But the decision's done. Right. You don't go back it, and, and got, nope. for it later. No, you, 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 you can't make, you, you can't make makeup calls. It's just, it, it's, that's anathema. Um, wouldn't do it. Getting, getting back at teams? No. Um, I just, again, never, I've, I was brought up differently to that. <laughs> um, I, I, th I think 
it's interesting. There are teams that you get good vibes with and, and, and bad vibes with. And, you know, I'll be honest, there are days you kind of get in the car, it's just like, oh, God, I've got a three-and-a-half-hour drive to see these guys again. Yeah, yeah. But when you get there, you gotta, you got to, like... Start from scratch. You, you gotta, that's exactly right. Park it, start again. Yeah. You, you know, you, you can't carry... You can't carry history with you know you can't carry history with you you've got to let it go and there's no yeah equalization getting back there is some struggle a little bit it's just like it, it's they're not concepts i've ever had to think about because it's just right. not yeah not not in your not it's in not it's not encyclopedia it, it's, it's not in my refereeing vocabulary and right. i don't i don't think it's in very many referees vocabularies yeah, that's uh, that's that's very fair and, and a great approach. I don't know if if coaches and players always see that, and they definitely paint a narrative in their head that says otherwise. And and maybe that's something to take with you as a captain. Don't give yourself the excuse or the history throughout a game to be able to put that in your head that he is getting. A, well, I, I think if I could, if, why if I could, why give a referee an excuse? And even give yourself the opportunity to think that way. So again, like, but we, I mean, I think one of the one of the things that I'm prepared to do, though, um, to go back to your, you, you know, the leaving things up. There are times I've given a decision, and I've I've, I've suddenly got thought to myself, "You got that one wrong." And I, I do what I think every referee has. I stick with the original decision. Said, "Fellas, I I may have missed X. I'm sorry. I got that one wrong." And I think if you acknowledge to, and this may be unique to rugby, I, I don't know. If you acknowledge to players that you may have missed something or that you got something wrong, it builds credibility. And it, it sort of, it deals with, with the unspoken elephant that's now on the table. You know, right. 30, 30 players saw him drop the ball and you didn't. Right. Yeah, fellas, he may have dropped the ball. I'm sorry, I didn't see it. I can't give it. Tends to get you a little bit more buy-in and an ability to move things on really quickly um, and easily. I think one of the biggest, biggest and probably least used tools in any referee's toolbox is the ability to say, I'm sorry, I goofed. Right, right. No, that's a great, a great mindset to have. And, and like I said, one that I'm sure athletes in other sports would would dream of of a referee acting like that is there any other advice you know you've definitely pieced out uh multiple little tidbits here for for captains and coaches to kind of think about is there any other advice that you would give a, a captain in terms of how to win over a referee little things they can do maybe any other advice that you have for them moving forward I think, um, as I said, I mean, it, 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 you could call this referee captain. You could, you, you could apply any kind of label to that. This is essentially a human relationship that has to last eight, 80 or 90 minutes right. in quite intense circumstances. Right. I think what captains and coaches could well do is just go through a period of reflection and go, how do we work hard at getting on the referee's right side. Right. No. And th th as I said to you in the beginning, there's no silver bullet. These are all just little. Right. Yeah, it's the one plus one plus one, like you said. You think about any relationship. You think about the relationship you have 
with your colleagues or your boss at work ab about the person you just started dating or the referee. The relationship is built on all these little things that you put into it, um, both for the short term and for the long term. I, here's a little trick that smart captains sometimes do at halftime in rugby. Hey, ref, is there anything you want us to tell the team to improve upon? That's great. It's just so simple. It, it, it's, it's a simple thing. It's all. Th and do you know what? I'm. I am aware. Ninety-five percent of the time, they don't care what I say. Right. Right. I'm getting. I'm getting played. But nonetheless, subconsciously, what am I thinking? This. This guy wants a better game. He right. wants. To, he wants to stop the penalty count. And and whilst I can, I can try really hard with myself to say consciously. This isn't affecting me, and I'm calling the game straight down the line as I see it. The one thing we can't control are our subconscious biases, right? That's just, that's, that's just the way it is. Can I say I haven't been swayed by good captaincy? I, I think any referee that tells you that, up maybe outside the elite level, is, is probably lying to you. Right, right. They think they're not, and they work very hard to not do it. As I said to you, does the captain delay me getting a yellow card out 10 minutes or at all? That's, you know, that's seven points. Right, right, exactly. If you just do it on a simple, you know, investment reward matrix, being nice to the referee costs you nothing. Right. And it can win, it can, at its most effective, can win you a game. Yep. Um, or at, least, at the very least, just get you some points. Right. Right. No, no. I, all great stuff, Simon. I think, you know, rugby is unique in the relationships, like we've said throughout this, this conversation. But I think if you're an athlete in any other sport, you're not going to find other captains doing these sorts of things. And if you do do these sorts of things, you are really going to stand out to a referee. And it might, you know, even give a little bit more of a, a shock value to those referees just starting off the game. And I think you'd be unwise to not at least take one or two of these things and just try it out. And like you said, it costs nothing. Um, you know, well, I, I mean, put it in soccer terms. If your center back just committed his third foul and the referee's putting his hand in his pocket, if you've got a positive dynamic, hey, ref, sorry, that's only, you know, try and smooth the referee. Right. That, means you're, that means your center back's not playing on a card for the rest of the game. He's right. got a little bit more latitude. I said, you know, at the, at the end of the day, you can do it sincerely or you can do it insincerely because you're doing it for effect. As a captain or as a coach, does it really matter? What you're trying to do is get the effect of the positive relationship, right. um, you know, with, with the referee. Right. Um, and the, the, the other thing is from a, I think maybe in my last point, Rugby is a volunteer sport. Referees can accept or decline assignments to go to various teams. If you want the better referees to want to keep coming back to you, do you think they're going to keep coming back to you because they had a great time and everyone was nice 
and you got an invite to the social after the match, but they were, you know, it's a good team with a great captain, or, oh God, it's them again. And the last time I was there, the captain spent 80 minutes barking at me. Right. I'm not driving three and a half hours for that experience. Yep. In a volunteer-driven activity, you need to think about the long-term ramifications of the relationships that you're putting in place. And I would argue, if you want the referees to keep coming, the good referees to keep coming back and seeing it, make them want to. Mm -hmm. No, makes sense. Makes sense. You know, I've taken up a, a good chunk of your evening here, Simon, and I, I appreciate all the wisdom and, and <laughs> please don't please don't use the word wisdom, Luke. These are just like anecdotal observations from an an older man. <laughs> <coughs> no, e either way, however you want to describe what we've just laid out here, what you've laid out here, um, I, like I said, it'd be unwise to not heed at least you know one thing from this from this conversation and i just want to thank you again for coming on the podcast and no i enjoyed the conversation thank you for the invitation all right simon thank you again i really appreciate it of course thanks for, thanks for listening to the captain's coach podcast with luke bullet if you liked what you just heard please give us a five-star review on itunes and check out our website at captainscoach.com Join us next time for another edition of the Captain's Coach Podcast.